Mikael Woodward, the beer ambassador here, and uh, I'm with one of the founders of Stone, this great cook, and uh, you know, kind of an old-time friend. I haven't seen him in a long time. Uh, I, I just want to say I like the Mountain Man look. I, I just cut my beard this week. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I just got uh, the cheese. I save people from having to actually see most of my face. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the least I can do for people out there is just you know, spare you the, the indignity of having to look at me unshaven. Yeah. Wow. I never thought it was that bad. You know what you Okay, that's creepy but nice. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have a man crush on you, so. Oh. <laughs> He's so Second anniversary celebration and invitation yeah. beer festival. Invitational beer festival. Here at beautiful California State University of San Marcos. So I started coming like seventh. Seventh one. That was after me. And uh exactly. What do you mean? Well I went I did one through six. Oh I see. Yes. So just throwing um, down my cred there. But 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 I will I do remember after like the time I came we went to like Churchill's afterwards and yeah. had you and Steve and I and a bunch of other people and that was a, a great experience for me. And um, I have to say that um, Stone made a big difference in me and what I'm doing in beer. So I want to say thank you for that. But uh, briefly, whatever you want to talk about, talk about the difference of uh, 22 years of brewing. Stone. I mean, you guys started with Arrogant Bastard and You're Not Worthy to Stone IPA and yeah, Stone Smoke Water, Stone Pale Ale, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, Arrogant Bastard was the fourth one to come out. Yes. Oh, oh. But the one that made a big difference to me, I discovered that in 2000. Yeah. And then I was like, Woo! It, it definitely, in the early days of craft brewing, it was a beer that really got people's notice. Yeah. And it helped put us on the map, there's no question about it. Great marketing. Um, because you're not worthy. It made everybody want to drink it. Yeah. Seriously. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it really is quite a, uh, a, a timeline arc of, of just, how, how do I want to express this? 22 years, yes. I, I think about it, like, when I was 10 years into the business, I kind of started to think that maybe I knew what was going on. Sure. That I was smart, learned, I knew what could be done, couldn't be done, I knew the kinds of weird styles that were out there, what could be done, what was legit, what Now, I realize I don't know again. As we get older, we, we understand more, right? Finally understand, maybe I don't know so much. Yeah, yeah. And it's no more than we used to. I, I still but learn. I'm still learning. I still learn. Yeah. But I love it because uh, I get that, that sense of discovery that everybody here gets. Man, I get that same sense of discovery. I've had years today, and we'll have more. Today, but I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Tell me more about it. How do we get brewed? So, um, you guys have raised a lot of money, and I used to be a part of the Die Hearts for Charity, which I missed, by the way. I almost dyed my beard and hair just for the sake of being part of that. But uh, um, you guys have raised over $3 million? Over $3 million over the years uh, from this very fest, donated to charity. And uh, it's awesome. There is my uh, friend. Come on over here. I'm gesturing. Uh, my friend, okay. Stefan Michael from uh, Mars Boy in Bomberg, nice. Germany, flew all the way out. Cool. Uh, did that's awesome. And uh, he's got an awesome uh, family or a brewery, multi-generational family brewery in Bomberg. Have you been? I haven't. Have you go. should go. go there. So Thanks. tell us quickly about that. Mars, Marsbury is uh, a, a Bamberg is a heritage town, so it's uh, Marsbury since, since 1602. Uh, 
to first call, but the brewery got built 1670. Wow. I'm the fourth generation of Marsburg Brewing Company, so my my great grandfather bought it 1892 from the Anton Mar. That's why we still have the name Mars. Okay. And uh, family name is Michel. And we just do. 100% uh, uh, lager beers. I mean, we do some collab with French breweries now. Um, you guys can do a collab? We, we made one in Berlin. Oh, you did? And, uh, but I think it was, will not be the last time that we did something. So, and um, we came friends and uh, I like to work with them because they're very loyal. Make good beers. They do make cool beers. people. Like everybody works for them. They're very friendly and gentle, and so and that, that's why I came out here. And that's I fun. love this guy. Yeah, <laughs> well, thank you. Oh, good to see you. Okay, Thanks for jumping on the show. Oh hell yeah! Thank All right, it's love. You don't know who's gonna jump He's on the show here. He's an awesome dude, uh, and I've been to his brewery. And yeah, you're just steeped in that old world Tromberg thing. It's just really cool. That's cool. And he's got a great accent. He's, uh, so we were talking about the basic thing of, of 300 million earned or raised. Um, I know that there are charities change every year, but it's usually like uh, San Marcos Boys and Girls Club, oh, it's and Surf Rider, and, yeah. uh, Surf Rider Foundation of San Diego, uh, Boys and Girls Club of San Marcos, Palomar Family YMCA, and Greater YMCA, and uh, Fight ALD. Yeah. I remember it looks like me was in there at one time. That was for the uh, charity, the charity. hair charity, where we dyed our hair, took flippers to yep. dye our hair. I've had did green, that. I've had blue. So have I. You've done blue, yep. I've done red, red, and multiple times. I've yes. did it about six times. It's awesome. So uh, we got a little photobomb, I'm not really sure who that was. Um, what, where's uh, Where do you think Stone's going since you guys are, you know, in China now and in Germany and all over yeah, the U.S. and the South? How's the, thing, the project going in the South? Uh, you mean in Richmond, Virginia? Richmond, Virginia. I hope Virginia. Yeah, yeah, that's, so that's uh, Bruce Beer for the eastern half of the United States. And it's, it's incredible. Our new brewery there is just, it's, uh, all the people on our team are doing a great job. And, Helping get fresher beer to the other part of the country. Yeah. And uh, yeah, where are we going? You know, from day one, it's been our very simple mission. Brew uh, beer to our standards. If somebody would like more and we can continue to brew it to those standards, then the answer is yes. We'll yes. And we just yeah. grow a little bit by a little bit by a little bit. something we have a lot to be proud of here in the United States, considering you know, what, three decades ago, now four decades ago, our country was the laughing stock of the world when sure. it came to beer. Yeah. And now, breweries and people here from all over the world, like our friend Stephen Michael, yeah. comes here because, not to promote his beer so much, although he has some, he doesn't do very much export, sure. he comes to enjoy what we've got going on, going on. and it's really great. And you guys have grown, I mean, maybe we'll talk about that, because you guys have grown where you do two sessions now. Um, there's the rare beer session. And Friday night, last night. Oh, oh, which I've never made, but one day. But, um, it's my favorite. Maybe I'll get a money for that sometime. I know, I know, I'm just joking. So, um, so, basically, you think this is just going to go on forever? That's how you sell to Iowa. Let's just, you know, I mean, the goal no of Stone, end, no end inside, because we had, you know, made it very clear, we like being an independent craft yeah. brewer. Uh, 
our goal is for Stone to go on in perpetuity, so we try to do things very carefully to make sure that we're painting that foundation. And, uh, you know, forever is a big, long word. Okay, yeah, you know, yes, I understand. The, hey, that's the goal. Yeah. That's the goal. I won't be around forever, so I won't be there to be sure. But, you know, maybe from above or beyond. all watch me. business and kind of going forward, there's always goals. Stability. Stability long-term. You guys have been a distributor now for a long time. You broke that three-tier system. We didn't break it. We well, participated in it. Okay, you jumped in it. Yeah. We follow all the how, how, how is that? Yeah. I remember the, the, the movie Gear Wars, yeah. you know, which I thought was really cool. And you know, gave people insight into how the beer system of the beer industry really works. Yeah, so we have, for those that may not know, we have Stone Distributing. Stone Distributing represents about 35 craft construction brands um, throughout Southern California. We have more than 100 trucks a day in our sales team, warehouse, and, and uh, entire team, driver, that deliver beer to pubs, markets, grocery stores, yeah. restaurants, hotels, and venues. Ordering beer, some of your favorite beers, if they're stone, definitely. Other awesome yeah. And a lot of them are represented here. I know that. It's good. Yep. So, well, I want to say bringing beer to the people. Thanks for bringing beer to people. It's awesome that you have 22 years going on. Developed. I just wish you could much more. And then you have over 50 breweries here and all kinds of beer. And it's just a great time. If you guys haven't been before, you should try and come for next year. Okay, um, why don't you? It's for charity, after all. It's for charity. For the for the for the invitation of the beer uh, event, but uh, um, you can check out Stone like a lot of places in California. On the other side of the coast, there. Please, won't you? You know, check this out. It's good stuff. Hey, you know what? I have to. I've say heard some good so things. We got an old thing. I'm just gonna have to say that some of them. I heard someone I'll say they're the head of the Pilsner, but you guys had the arrogant bastard. You like the fizzy yellow beer, and then you got wussy beer, which I have to say is a fantastic beer. So I just wanted to talk to you about that because I, I honestly, I think once craft breweries started making beers that we thought were just made by the commercial craft big guys here in the U.S. and they're using adjuncts, but we realized it could be. Well, we are making we are making beers like that. We're making true authentic version, so yes. the very simple uh, phrase, Arrogant yeah, yeah. uh, Best has a phrase associated with a long time, fizzy yellow beer for wussies. What is the definition of fizzy yellow beer? It's like part and corn. I know it when I see it. Yes. Right? So fizzy yellow beer to me is anything that is intentionally dumbing down the product and now will be able to serve yes. the masses some, you know, something that's just cheap. And so it's a mentality. It's not the fact that it's yellow. We've made lots of beers that have a yellow color. Not fizzy, even all beers are fizzy. Yeah. Well, almost all. Well, yeah. For the most part. Right. I mean, we have, for example, from our Berlin brewery here today, the Stone White Guys Berliner Weisser. It is yellow and it is carbonated. Yeah. But it is not a fizzy yellow beer in that mentality because it's so flavorful. So it's a mentality. I, I, I just say I, I love kind of the embracing of all craft beers and getting into, all right, we can bring this in and make it crafty, craft beer, independent craft beer. And I I think it's great. I think it's a great beer. Well, that's a great place to wrap up. Thank yes. you, brother, for right, including me in the conversation. I appreciate all it. of you are tuning in. Until hey, next year, 23rd anniversary, please. Come yes. On. Until next time, my friends, as I always say, drink good beer, eat good food, hang out with good people like Greg here, and drink more good beer. Cheers. So, you just heard the interview I had with uh, Greg Cook, who is the co-founder of Stone Brewing uh, out of San Diego, California. And they've been open for 22 years now. And so I was there this last weekend for the 
22nd anniversary celebration and beer invitational, as you heard, and was able to actually get Greg to do an interview, which is not always that easy. Um, but it was cool that he recognized me. Uh, the, the PR public people who have been there only for a couple of years are like trying to introduce him. He's like, yeah, I know me, Kyle. And then, then you know, that's pretty cool because, you know, he's he sees a lot of people. He knows a lot of people, and for him to remember me um, and to know my name and stuff like that, that's uh, that's pretty good because he doesn't really have to. Um, but uh, I thought it was cool. Um, so there are two sessions there if you've never been. That was, we were talking at the end of session A, and um, what was, what's really nice about that is that, um, I know, basically uh, – we, you know, I was I was in the rare beer garden. So if you if you do session if you re- do the rare beer garden, you get to stay for session A and session B. So there's two sessions. They go from one to four, and then from five to eight, and uh, and then there's of course as Greg mentioned, there's the uh, the um, session that goes on uh, with like a brewer's reception on Friday. But if you stay there for the whole thing, you can get from one to eight o'clock, and you can stay for the rare beers. Um, they changed it up a little bit where it used to be that you had uh, a limited number of beers when you went into the main festival. I think it was like 20 beers or something. But when you get three ounce tasters and you get to keep the cup, that's that's pretty good in itself. But for the um, for the event, if you had the, the rare beer, it was unlimited. Well, they've changed it now, and now it's uh, unlimited for people in session A and B. But if you get the rare beer, you can go down to session A and B and, and drink unlimited, but... Uh, Basically, it's limited in the rare beer area now. They also have a cigar area. Um, what I like about the rare beer as well is um, they have food trucks and all that kind of stuff around there. And 91X was, you know, producing some shows down there. And there was coconut water from, you know, the Nico coconut and all that kind of stuff uh, going on down there. <clears throat> and uh, food that you could buy. But if you're in the rare beer garden, then you get, like, free tacos and some other stuff like that. Um, but it's really cool. It was a good time. Um, I've... Uh, I've been going since, uh, I think I said the seventh year, but I can't remember if it's the seventh or eighth year, honestly. And uh, I think it might have been the eighth, um, but it's been a long time. But I, I've missed the last couple of years due to work, and uh, I was able to make it this year, and it was a great time. Um, I also uh, m- met uh, another uh, gentleman there. You you heard him step in really briefly because Craig invited him in. And uh, and so that was pretty f- cool to meet uh, Stefan um from uh from uh germany and he's with uh stefan michael or michael um uh basically with mars brewing company and his company took it over in like 1892 so i have a little thing that you can see that's going to be on youtube soon but uh for the rest of the show here uh, there's a lot going on there's been a lot going on i hope you drank some good beers and and had a good weekend um uh, yeah, I went and saw uh, with my brother. I haven't seen a, a band with him for years. We used to go to bands all the time. And that's kind of how I got involved with UCI, but I decided to take it into the public affairs uh, situation and talk about beer. But we went and saw the Stray Cats uh, last Thursday because I was able to get my own tickets. But I also gave away two pairs of tickets. So last week, I just want to uh, say uh, congrats again, even though I said it on uh on the post and maybe I should have tried to edit the post but once you promote it, it's hard to edit it but I can put it down in the comments so there was a guy named uh, uh, um, I want to say it was Alexander Lawrence or something like that and then uh, um, uh, oh golly geez Bert 
Bert Svensson are the were the winners last week. So hopefully they went and had a good time. Uh, I had a great time. I thought it was a fantastic time uh, watching the bands there. And St- Stray Cat still got it, man. They were they were just putting it on, and I uh, got to see. <clears throat> um, uh, Cherry Pop and Daddies. So we want to say thanks to uh, the Pacific Amphitheater for giving those tickets to the station that I was able to give away. And we're going to have more giveaways, so just pay attention and follow the Beer Ambassador on Instagram, the underscore beer underscore ambassador. Uh, now I'm going to try and fit in the rest of the time here. Uh, uh, Bob Kiefer, uh, and we're talking about um, some home brews that he does in gluten-free. And so uh, enjoy this interview, my friends. It's pretty good stuff about gluten-free. I was surprised how much I like it. I met him at HomebrewCon. You'll hear about all that on there, too. If I can get this thing to come up for some reason, it doesn't want to come up right now. That's interesting, isn't it? So, <laughs> all right. It should, uh, It's. it says it's coming up. It's in mode of trying to bring it up. Why is it not playing? Ay, ay, ay. Let's try this. Uh, again. Mikhail, the beer ambassador here, and I'm sitting uh, actually in the living room of my friend Bob Kiefer, who I met at HomebrewCon. And, um, you know, he's a homebrewer. We're both, you know, in the Costa Mesa area. Um, I, I used to live in Costa Mesa, but he still does. And, um, and the long and the short are uh, he's a really cool guy, but he has a unique perspective on beer because. Um, He's one of the gluten-free people, right? <laughs> and I don't say that in a bad way, but, but uh, he has a, a, a gluten problem or issue where uh, he, he has celiac signs. And he decided, I, I really have this passion for beer and I don't want to give up beer. So why don't we not just make a, a gluten beer and use some findings to try and get most of it out, but why don't we go from a different perspective where we're going to actually make a gluten-free from the base up. Is that is that pretty yeah. much it? Yeah. I mean, just, you know, if you're going to reduce the gluten, why, why, why not just make it without gluten in the first place? Yeah. So, I mean, it was cool to meet you, and, and, and I, what I was impressed that you had the booth there at HomebrewCon is that yeah. you told me about this concept, come by, try the beers. I came by, try the beers, and I thought they were really good. And uh, there's a couple you have there, I think is the IPA that we might get to that I was like, if you hadn't told me, I, I don't know if I would have known that right. this wasn't... Uh, that this was a gluten-free IPA, and and I and I enjoyed Omission, and I there's one from, uh, I, I think I've tried the one from Stone, but I, yeah. I, I also have the uh, the one from um, from uh, Colorado, uh, New Belgium. Oh, I don't know yeah. why that was. The, was, the, glu- the gluteiny or uh, gluteny? Yeah, yeah, the gluteny, which I thought was pretty good actually. Um, but I do. My understanding is they use a finings to get most of the gluten out. Yeah, so it's enzyme. like ninety nine percent or something. Yeah, uh, it's it's all about this whole uh, legal a- aspect of parts per million, which yeah. it's it's always kind of which, tough, right? But you but know? for some people, it's going to be completely fine. They don't have any issues. But yeah, a lot of people Start don't. People. But there could be that percentage where you're still going to have issues. Yeah, I think it's like about one third of people don't have symptoms. About two thirds of the other people do have symptoms. And so for like for people like me, I'm just like, well, it doesn't do anything. It's basically kind of like the way that it's it's. I don't think it's as severe as the whole Volkswagen clean diesel thing, but it's very similar to say if I took a handful of, let's say peanuts, right? People yeah. are highly allergic to that. I walk up to somebody who has a peanut allergy and say, well, I just put a chemical on these peanuts that makes them totally cool for you to eat. What do you think? <laughs> 
I know? mean, that's a good way to put it, I guess. It's, it's, uh, it's, I, I hear it from a, a good amount of people yeah. that are in the gluten-free brewing spectrum, if you will. Sure. Um, They're saying, all oh, you have to do is this. But, right. but that is the, that's the thing is, is it's, uh, while it's nice, there, it's still made from gluten containing ingredients. And the thing that is tough is that, uh, even a Forbes just came out with an article about how to tell if your beer is gluten free or not. And the issue is, is that the ELISA test, which is what is currently being used to test these gluten reduced beers, it can't detect the gluten, but that doesn't mean that the gluten isn't in there. That's the ah. thing that's the issue is, is that it's having trouble detecting it's, a lot of the same, if you do a different test, you find gluten in those same beers. I gotcha. So it's, that's the weird thing is, is the efficacy of the test that's being used is in question currently. Yeah. And so a lot of brewers just from the get-go have decided, well, you know, if this is really about people's health, then why even use gluten-containing ingredients when you can use things like rice, millet, sorghum, buckwheat, quinoa. Rye. No, you can't oh, use rye. You can't use rye. That's yeah, rye, wheat, and 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 barley. Uh, and barley. Those are the three ones. Okay. I, but outside of that, you're pretty much good to go. I mean, so oats are good. Yeah, certain. Uh, it has to be a certified uh, grain. So that means that it just has to be grown in a field that's never grown wheat before. Ah, right. So okay. it's a it's kind of a touchy so one. A Some people are touchy about touchy. oats. Some people are actually oat intolerant. So okay. like, I know Moon Shrimp Brewery in Portland is both gluten and oat-free. Okay. Um, I still use oats when I brew, just because I, I get gluten-free ones. So okay. that's just that's how I do it. Um, a lot of the gluten-free maltsters actually sell oats as well. So that's another way to get to go through that. Um, but that's just new in the industry. That's not like a... Oh, yeah. It's right? very I mean, recent. I mean, I talk to guys, and there's a few people out there that still do this, where they go to the bird feed store, buy a 50-pound bag of millet, malt it at home, then roast it to their desired level, and then brew with that. Interesting. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. They like you know, obviously you're 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 wetting the malt. It's you're wetting the grains themselves to malt it. So you're they're already kind of washing it there. Then they malt it. Then they roast it. Then they brew with it. Pretty yeah. kind of cool. So I mean, this was like I mean, talk about as home, recent as 2012. Talk about homebrew. You're like malting. Yeah, your, your own grains. Your own yeah. grains. It's a lot of the people that first. Which, if pioneered you don't know that, basically, you're gonna have to put it in the oven. Yeah. And you're gonna have to bring it. You're gonna have to pay attention to bring it to a certain yeah. level for the SRM to make the special style that you want, and that takes a lot. And that's what the the malting companies do. Yeah. You know? So they do a lot of that that grunt work for yeah. people, and that's one of the things that I've probably been probably the most impressed by, is that you know, I, I guess I am a gluten free brewer, but I'm not the first, and, I, and I, I do really have to pay homage to the people on Homebrew Talk and you know the other the people that I've come in contact with in this space who have really laid a lot of the groundwork for people like me that, you know, I'm not doing this the first time. I'm learning from a lot of their mistakes before I'm brewing, which is one of the things that's pretty cool, you know. There was a lot of debate when I first got brewing with all grain, gluten-free, of what's the what's the appropriate mash temperature. And you ask three different brewers, you're going to get six different responses. Yeah, because it's not something they're used to brewing with as a main ingredient. Absolutely, yeah. Right? yeah. So... Well, barley usually just converts itself, or it converts the rice or the corn or whatever your other adjunct is. Sure. So pretty much don't have to worry about it as long as you keep it around 150. You can keep both the beta and the alpha amylase. Yeah. That completely gets washed away when you start adding all these other grains. So, like, I, I recently did a mash, uh, a mash that went, like, mashing at 135, raised to 185, yeah. and that's the first hour. And then drop it back down to 155 for an hour and a half. I got you. <laughs> and then do everything else. So you got to like 
both uh, beta amylase rest as well as um, you know a, a higher maybe like alpha amylase rest or, or something like that. But then also you, one of the rests in there involves the gelatinization of the grains too. Sure. So yeah, it's pretty. So you, you can so make it as complicated or as simple as you well, like. Well, I mean, beer beer is science. It's food science, That's right? Yeah, yeah. But um, it sounds like a whole different level of food science <laughs> for a gluten free. To me, really. Yeah, well, that's and, what I said. And, and that's why it's not been done, right? Yeah, well... I mean, it, I mean it, it's taken a, this long to oh, get yeah. to where you have, like... I mean, the mission's been around for a few years now, but... Yeah. Still, I mean, it's taken a long time to get where they're at. And if it, it, True. And if they're not starting with a gluten-free base... Yeah. Um, they're actually missing out on a lot of customers that way, and that's the thing that that's true. Like, I, I don't even go to the... And this is not a dig at omission either, just so you oh, know. Yeah, no. But uh, they're doing they're doing the best they can and, yeah. and you know with what they've got and that's definitely something that people in this space like myself the gluten free space we appreciate it because it at least brings attention to yeah. it which is great it's a great start yeah but and the fact that it sells shows everybody else well this is a market yeah and that's the thing that's one of the things that also people ask me well is there a market for actual gluten free like a certified gluten free hundred percent gluten free and yeah. I'm like they just opened a gluten free brewery in Tulsa Oklahoma so there's a market for in it. the middle of Farmlands, wheat, the red wheat, country, wheat and barley, like yeah. Ville, like that's the farmlands. Right? Oh yeah, so there's definitely a market for it. I mean, you know, wow. you look at Oregon itself has four gluten dedicated gluten free breweries alone. Uh, Washington has Ghostfish out of Seattle. Uh, there's also Departed Souls out of Jersey City. Uh, Hollow Daily out of Colorado. I didn't realize there were that many. Alt Brewing out of Wisconsin. And these are all from from the from the base. Yep, all like millet, buckwheat, rice, no wow. barley, no wheat, no rye. I'm gonna have to try some more beers then. Oh yeah, yeah, it's growing even bigger. I every year I'm just so so much more impressed by uh, how much more they're able to do in the space. Um, so in that, what I mean, so was it? But the fact is, you're finding about all this stuff now. Yeah, but it's not available locally, so that's why you started to brew it yourself and that's figure true. it out, right? Well, yeah, I got tired of the while they're they're good. There's only so much choice, and you usually get basic flavors because they want to bring it to the masses, right? Yeah. So you, you typically get a blonde, a pale ale, an IPA, uh, and a, a a white or a wit or a, some yeah. sort of style like that, yeah. um, and and those are great. But for me, I. I'm a little bit more creative. My fiance runs her own gluten-free bakery, so I was like, "Well, if she's making her own gluten-free desserts, why why can't I make my own gluten-free beer?" Well, it reminds me of uh, Long Beach Beer Lab, although they're not gluten-free. But <laughs> Levy's making beer, and his wife has a bakery, and they have a business hand in hand. You guys might do the second thing. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll have to introduce you sometime. But yeah, yeah. Um, so you started doing this as a home brewer. How long have you been home brewing? I think I'm going on my third year now. Well. Yeah. So relatively. Yeah, relatively recent. I haven't been doing it for the longest time. And you're still doing it in a in a an apartment. Yep. Now, did you start with kits or or because it's hard to find a gluten free? You, you have to like kind of do everything yourself. Were you doing it on a stove, or you really got into it once you got the grandfather? Because you showed me. Yeah, yeah. He has a really nice grandfather, and you're making stuff on that. Yeah. Well, luckily, I had a friend who kind of encouraged me. He's like, you know, I was talking about hey, you know, beer, gluten-free, and they're like, well, why don't you come over to our house? We've got some brewing equipment. You can, you know, test batch a beer over there, too. And so my first brew was a complete disaster because I really didn't know what I was doing. And they didn't kind of catch me because they're like, well, we're not used to brewing this way, so, you know, go at it, have fun. 
Um, so I had like four pounds of just regular oats, not even flaked, um, like store bought, steel cut oats. Ooh. Yeah. So that right there is like the first indication of how the day oh went. Oh my gosh. We had to throw the whole thing away. Oh. Yeah. I was, I so was, they had no idea. Yeah. They were like, oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. I, I don't use oats like that either. So how could you? So yeah. they kind of realized that after the fact, they're like, all right, come over. We'll <laughs> do it midweek. We'll dude, let you come great. and do it on, on oh the Oh my evening. gosh. That's fun. It was an all extract brew. I made it from a music festival I went to. It was passable. I could call it beer. Nice. Nice okay. try. It ended up at like 4%. I wasn't too excited about it. So the next brew I did, I did, uh, you know, okay, what are higher ABV beers? I was like, how, how big can I make it? Like, sure. you know, I need to prove myself here. So I, I decided on a Belgian style. Okay. Right? And I decided that I was going to go for something as simple like a double. Right? Let's get it to 6% and, you know, we'll go from, go from there. But I decided to, you know, since I hadn't had as much success in the first brew, I'm like, well, let's let's pour more in here, and maybe that's the reason. I just need more fermentables in here. Well, I got enough fermentables, uh, and I got the sucker up to 12%. Wow. <laughs> so, and it actually came wow. out pretty good. Talk about opposite ends of the spectrum, though. <laughs> yeah. It went from like a 4% to a 12%? Yeah, it's like a... Like it's a, like a 4X beer there. A session beer to a showstopper. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, I totally, you know, kind of went kind of off the deep end But then end you there. got everybody's attention with that. Yeah, they were like, wow, and this is good. Like, it, it, I hadn't intended it to be stout-like, but it came out uh, where I had... Um, we had the, ferment, uh, the mash temperature had dropped to like 140 during mash so we heated it back up but it was one of those propane burners yeah and this is before i had learned about how small millet really was yeah, yeah, yeah. it had fallen through the bottom of this false bottom oh. and so i had a burnt cake you on did. the bottom you did. but, but they it gave you some srm and some roasted flavors oh yeah that. it was like a belgian stout it was wow. awesome i really loved it it was like a belgian imperial stout. see that was a happy mistake oh yeah I love so, those. Yeah, were you able to, were you able to duplicate it again, or you never tried? I I because that's gonna be hard. To I've do done it. variations of that beer, but I've never tried to do the same thing that I yeah. did. Because that was before I was really taking notes. I was like, let's just you know pour sure. the kitchen sink in here and see what comes out of it. Gotcha. And so yeah, I was using sorghum, and I had done a, a mash with like five pounds of millet and five pounds of buckwheat. This is before I had really understood about buckwheat even and. The fact that buckwheat is very similar to how oats behave and that it can really kind of gum things up too. Yeah. So there's a lot there's of learning. A, there's a sweet kind of nuttiness that comes from it. Yeah. 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 I, I, buckwheat's, I, I use it a lot a lot now and it uh, really helps with like head retention. Like with some of these beers I poured in front of you like 15 minutes ago and it's still... In 15 minutes. Yeah. You can see. Well, you mentioned them now. Let's, let's just talk about it. So you, you, I don't know if you have names for the beers. So this yeah. is the Summer's Garden Saison. So I, I, when I smell at it, I get this uh, very herbal aroma. Right. And I told you this before. Yep. And um, and then you told me what it is. So tell tell everybody what's in it. So while yeah. I take a little sip here. So it's a it's a partial. So it has mostly gluten free grains like millet and buckwheat in it, as well as rice. But I also added buckwheat honey, uh, chamomile, rose hips, as well as heather, and then I, I bittered it with middle fruit. So pretty much an herbal blast to the mouth um, from start to finish. So I, I get the the buckwheat and I get the the floral notes of, of the right like the rose, right? Yeah, yeah, the rose hips. And I also actually I, I forgot to mention I added um, some orange peel in there as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's near the back side you can get some of that mm -hmm. um, Kind of balancing it out, but there's something else you said there's in here because I said it's Heather. very herbal. Heather, yeah. 
I think the heather gives it like this interesting herbal yeah. quality that I, it's hard to say anything but herbal. It's like this yeah, it's kind a tea-like of like astringency, tea, but it's kind of not earthy herbal too intense. kind of thing. Yeah, but but it kind of grows on. It. Yeah, I kind of like it. It's it, it's well, saisons are easier to brew in the summer, so that's one of the reasons why I brewed it. But also, it I I, I kind of wanted that reminiscent of you know. Uh, a long summer afternoon, yeah. an easy drinking beer. But I will tell you that it. But but looking at it and tasting it, smelling it, and and uh, I can try and do it now. Sorry, you guys. I mean, I literally have been sitting for fifteen minutes or something. <laughs> but, um, um, but the long and short are, it did have a, a nice white head, and it's um, still got some little legs on the, the glass here. But mm-hmm. I, I literally wouldn't know that it wasn't a that it was a gluten free beer, and. Um, Except for it's very herbal, but that has to do with the herbs you put in. Right. So yeah, exactly. It has so, nothing to do with the gluten free. Yeah, not too much conflict there. It's really just kind of to spurn a lot of the flavors that I'm looking for. I think that the, my friends from New Agarist would really like hanging out with you because awesome. they make very herbal beers. Very cool. And uh, and and I'm seeing some similarities there. So nice. Since you're doing beers and and uh, and we want to get through this. Yeah. We're gonna get to this, and this is is this an amber or is this? So it's like a. Kind of a I had brewed it like a dunkel, but it, okay. it, And a lot of the tastes that it elicits are very similar to say a Baltic porter. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's a uh, you know Baltic porters are dark beers that are brewed like porters but have lager yeast. Lager. So you lager. It used a lager. Oh man, that's really nice. Especially actually, I think this is better when it's warm. Yeah, it's, it's you get a lot more of the caramel, a lot more of the chocolate. That. That really, to me, is like a Baltic porter. Yeah, I get that the nice balance of the of the the roast and the and the lager yeast that yeah. makes me like a black IPA. Oh yeah, um, very true. Is enjoyable to me. A Schwartz beer is very enjoyable oh, to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Baltic porter, they're all enjoyable to me because they're taking this lagering style uh, along with something that I like from the ale side, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And they put it together. Uh, not mm-hmm. unlike the 76 from Samuel Adams that we tried at oh. Lucon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a different thing because they mixed them, they, they, melt, they melt them afterwards. But <laughs> I don't know why, it just thought made me think of that because this is true. brewed this way, but but this is uh, it's very tasty. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually drinking some of it myself. I, uh, I really like this beer. And I honestly would not know that that wasn't, uh, that they didn't have gluten in there. So yeah. I, mean, I don't know if you're trying to keep this proprietary or not, but what are you using in that one there? So this is a. Uh, Strictly just millet and buckwheat beer. Really? So I actually didn't, you know, this is one of those beers that I was really proud of because typically gluten free home brewers or brewers got to yeah. use a lot of rice hulls because you've got not a lot of husk on most of these gluten free grains and they're super, super tiny. Yeah. So, in terms of drainage, you can, there's a lot of channels that can be created or like with buckwheat, it can gum the whole mash up. Sure. So, it's really hard to pass water through it. So, that's why they use a lot of rice hulls for drainage. This is a beer that I used zero rice hulls in. Wow. So I'm pretty happy about that. Um, it's a, it's no secret. Yeah, I, I, I talk I mean, about this all the time. 135 is a perfect protein rest for buckwheat. It really helps not only knock out the a lot of that beta-glucan, because buckwheat, like oats, can make a for a really cloudy beer. But as I mean, you can pretty no, much see that, this that, is a clear that beer. That is clear. I mean, it is a nice... That's why I almost asked if it was an amber, but I can see that... You yeah. know, I, was, I was going to say maybe it's a light porter, but... It has that reddish hue. It's porter. It's got that darkest reddish hue if you can get through the light on your side you're not going to see it on the camera I can see it in the light here <laughs> yeah, but, we, but, we uh, light but, here. but it's beautiful if you're watching this on YouTube if you're listening on the air then you're not going to see anything but, <laughs> yeah, don't worry um, at all it's clear <laughs> but I'll tell you that is really really uh, 
I mean, that's it's, it's enjoyable. Yeah, it's and it's got this nice drinking. sweetness on the backside that's not cloying. But yeah, and that's where I get to where almost like a, a, a almost a nuttiness. Yes, right. Very true. Um, so. I, uh, hopefully my phone is still working because I just had some alarm here. Who knows what's <laughs> going I've had issues, but... All, all right, so, so the last one we have is an IPA here, yeah, right? Yeah, IPA, uh... Oh, man. I get, like... Massive. Total right hop. Yeah. Oh, so what are you what are you using the hops here? Because I get, a, I, get a fl- I get a flavor profile. Yeah. Where I'm getting, like, tropical citrus notes. Oh, yeah, this one... Out the aroma. I poured a lot into this one, so this one had... Uh, let me pull the recipe over here. I have Chinook is in here. Is this one you had at HomebrewCon? No, but it's actually, um, I did a little bit of a play on the same way that he did it. So his his was called Endgame IPA. Oh, you had another guy. And so he used it. Galaxy, Amarillo, Mosaic, and Yukonot okay. in the in the brew. So I decided to bring some of those same flavors with me in the same vein, like that tropical note, the t- traditional IPA hops and things like that. So I used uh, Chinook on the bitter, Comet, and Nelson Salvin, Amarillo, and uh, Yukonot. So I used a couple say, of the same I say Yukonot. But you say Equinot. Yeah. Tomato, tomato, but I think it's Equinot. But anyways, so you use that one. <laughs> but but it's interesting because you get a really nice flavor profile Yeah. In from those hops. It was it's interesting because this beer was it it's a was a very easy brew day, very challenging ferment because it was right when it hit like the hot days. So I brewed this on July fifteenth. Now we'll say I get a little phenol on the backside. Yeah, because this I brewed um, a New World Strong Ale yeast with it, so that was it was kind of trying to imitate like an English dry, but it really fermented more like a strong ale, like okay. a Belgian strong ale. So you're gonna you're gonna get a lot of that phenol from like a strong yeah, ale. Yeah, some people are gonna say they might not like that or maybe mark it down. Well, that's the thing it's is, not, is I wouldn't I'm, put I'm it in a say, traditional IPA. Yeah, so I might want to rethink the yeast, but. Yeah, but I still think it's very good. Well, I got but it for free at HomebrewCon, so not, I went for oh it. yeah, but it's. But I'm going to say that I'm going to say this just to say it, to, just because we're. For me, I'm always talking about honestly with friends and, and any brewer, yeah. because to me, I, I don't like phenols in my beer, uh, for the most part. But some phenols are good. If you get True. pepper, pepper is a phenol. And that can be nice in a beer. That's true. Plastic is a phenol that is not nice in a beer. I'm not saying this is plasticky, but I'm just saying it's a strong phenolic. Yeah. And and but it's not it's 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 kind of almost in between those two. Right. And um, yeah, if and anything, it's if more of that dry citrus. Yeah. yeah. It, but it, I, if you get, it's more of the pithy side of that, of that yeah. dry citrus. You're right. So that's where on the back side I'm like, hmm. Uh, it's not bad. It's just not as oh, desirable. Yeah. Well, I know what went wrong with this one because uh, I was having but, well, issue but controlling you're still the temperature. Playing. Okay, still playing so, with it. Yeah. But so I'm not. What I'm saying is interesting because when I first tasted, it, I wouldn't know, and then I get that. But I, but I've tasted many beers that are full of gluten and from <laughs> professional brewers who get phenols in their beer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Uh, I'm not saying it's a bad beer or it totally went wrong. I'm just saying I think there's a, a way you could improve on it. Yeah. Because I, I remember having the beers up there going, wow, I, I can't believe they're gluten-free. They're all on par in their really oh, yeah. beers. Um, but there's always things we can tweak and learn, That's right? true, yeah. And uh, and if someone, is, if someone is wanting to help you they're, they're give a constructive criticism, yeah. then, then, I mean, I always tell people, do you want me to blow smoke up, here, <laughs> up your ass or your butt? I'm sorry. Uh or be real with you because I think if you're real with someone, it's going to be in a constructive way and it's going to be like, you know, I like this, but here's what I'm seeing. Yeah. 
Uh, instead, of, instead of saying, this team's like, ah, you know, and then, <laughs> and, and then just putting someone down because that's not it. Well, no, I appreciate um, it. And half those people don't know what they're doing anyways. They couldn't do anything better. True. But, um, but I do like it still. I would drink it. I'm yeah, yeah. throw it out. Um, <laughs> Thanks. But it's interesting that to me, even when I'm talking about it, what you, what you understand exactly what's happening what, and, and how yeah. you can tweak it. Because I'm telling you, the, ba- the base of that and the flavor profile is all good. And when it hits in my front of the tongue and all that, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Oh, yeah. It's just a little bit of that on the backside. And I'm just, I'm, I, I know a lot of people who drink that and not know any difference. Well, I'm surprised I'm, it's drinkable because it got all the way up to 86 on the ferment- in the fermenter. Oh, yeah. No, well, I was having okay, a listen, really you, bad day that you, day. If you got to 86 in that, then that's a great beer. Yeah. I'm not, gonna, I'm not even joking. Whoever's listening to this or watching this. That's a great beer because you got to 86. Uh, yeah. You should have had to throw that away. I, and yeah. That is still enjoyable. Oh, it's yeah. quaffable still. Yeah. I just am very sensitive to phenols. No, I'm. And most I people love, aren't. I love palates like that because yeah. usually my friends are like, another great one, Bob. And you know, I'm like, all right, are they blowing smoke because they get free beer? Or yeah. Or? <laughs> that's, that's the point. We're like, we like get, we like when. No, listen, we're brewers. Brewers like people to enjoy what they make. We make it for that reason, and it's you true. love, but but yeah. you still want honest feedback, and not everybody has a developed palate. All I will say is, I've been called a beer snob. <laughs> I call myself a beer ambassador, and I've actually was, that's how I kind of got the name of the beer ambassador. People would say, "Oh, you're like an ambassador of beer," and so Ooh. it just kind of it came on because I would make friends with people in bars, and I just had a conversation and, and breweries, and I think beer brings people together. Yeah, but but. In our community, the reason we go to and join homebrew clubs and do competitions and, and this kind of stuff is, is not because, oh, well, we think we're better than anyone else. No, we want feedback because we want to become yeah, better because that's true. I started brewing because I couldn't find the beers I wanted to taste in the market. Yeah. Now you can because people say, you're crazy. What are you putting in your beer? And I'm like, well, I want to taste this and this fruit and that spice and this herb. Yeah. And people are like, that's not how you make beer. That's not traditional. I'm like... Well, yeah, it used to actually. If you go back a couple thousand years, it is traditional. Yeah. It's been the last few hundred years, maybe five, four, five hundred years since the, and I'll say this wrong probably, but the Rhine Hausdorff yeah, Rhein laws. I always say it wrong, but um, when the, when those two dukes said, "Oh, these are the only ingredients can be in a beer," because they found a beer from some brewing monks that they liked, they're like, "We like this so much, we're going to make a law that everybody has to make it like this." Right. Yeah. And so it limited things and. Brewers got creative on how they could make styles through that, so it wasn't just one style. Right. But still, it was it was it was malt, which was either wheat or barley, essentially. Mm-hmm. You could find rye and some other stuff, but it was mostly that. And then you had hops and you had water, because it was magically fermented from the open fermentation, which they didn't know was yeast. Yep. Right. And so now we know it's yeast, and then now then they changed it to do yeast. So um, uh, the long and the short are. If I, if you're watching this, it keeps showing me that my system UI is not working. But um, but the long and the short are Ryan Hostelboot, Ryan Highs to go boots. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. Change things, and now we're coming back to it. So I was pushing those things, and now the things that I was doing nine to ten years ago in a beer that people thought I was crazy. Right. It's my mentor, but I would yeah. but I would still go through like a keg of beer, and everybody's like, "Well, I want more than that." Uh, yeah. Now it's becoming more commonplace. But I but I think that that's good because homebrewers push. The commercial edge, right? Well, we we make what you what you're doing with gluten free beer, right? It's like you know, make me want to come to your brewery, basically. Yeah, and that's the thing is is uh, while while yeah, while I definitely respect the effort of a lot of the people that are doing the whole gluten free uh, thing or saying gluten reduced, yeah, it's great. But 
let's we can do more. And that's I think one of the things that's really exciting. Um, I'll, I'll cheer some I'm of the sparkling cheers. water. So, listen, he also I'm holding up. You can see I have a spot glass and it's long live and prosper. So I'll do that to you. Um, but but the long and short are is he also makes sparkling water and he gave it to me. I'm like this is some kind of dark berry. And I was like, is it blueberry or something? He's like, no, it's 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 uh, it's Black blackberry. Berry. Yeah. With some lemon and it, but I'm telling you, I'm not a big sparkling water unless it's hop water. Uh, but this one is pretty fantastic and it's really good to cleanse your palate in between beers. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I like it. It also helps me not uh, get no, too it, drunk on weeknights. Yeah, because you should pace yourself. You should <laughs> yeah. pace yourself. Yeah, with, with this beer right in the living room, it's uh, it can be dangerous <laughs> sometimes. For sure, for sure. So, I mean, right now you have four taps. Yep. Uh, you told me about an amazing thing. We should give a shout out to your friend who basically gave you that but yeah my friend Jet is an incredible guy uh, and just you know, recently got married just recently got married um, hey Laurel hey, what's up Jet listen to the show today I want to say thanks that you basically made Bob into a home brewer essentially because <laughs> he's yeah. got this kegerator in, in his living room and we can sit there and drink from it but, yeah. but you have four taps and you have this uh, wonderful honestly um, this blackberry uh, yeah, blackberry lemon, sparkling water, or, or water. Sorry. Yeah, sparkling water. It's uh, yeah, it's it's you know it's nice. Um, I mean, I've I already got say wider because I'm th- saying wiser with you earlier. <laughs> a wiser. Yeah, you owe me a. Oh, yeah, is no. that a sizer? Or I'm gonna give you a sizer, which is a okay. which is a mead and a and a cider together, and then I don't know where I'm getting wood mirrors. I, I don't know. My okay. brain is fried right now. Yeah. Anyways, been a long day, but um. I think there's really three solid beers. I've had some other beers. I don't remember what were you pouring the homebrew con. So I think I had some probably really, had, really good stuff there. So we had a um, we had a Hell's that was brewed by our oh uh, by Ed. Uh, yeah, that Ed's Hell's was super good. clean. Yeah, love that beer. The one that you probably tried from me was the XBA, which was an all extract. I do uh, remember that. Pale ale. But that was very good. Yeah, that was a lot of people's favorite beer, which I was surprised by because that was all extract. So it wasn't how? Even all how grain. You, where do you get the extracts for that? So, um, you know, actually locally in Costa Mesa, down the street at Windsor Home Oh, Windsor has gluten-free extracts? Yeah, so they have sorghum there. Well, then sorghum. they've got honey and stuff like that there. Okay. And then they've got uh, rice syrup solids and some other stuff. He's also got the Belgian candy syrups and nice. the rock Yeah, candy. I know about those. So stuff so like that. just took that kind of stuff and yeah. made the XBA? Yeah. Man, that was a fantastic beer. Well, I wanted to. It was. I, I did a seminar at HomebrewCon, so I wanted to show that you can do yes. this kind of style of brewing multiple ways. And so that's part of why we met too. Why don't you right. talk about how you got involved in HomebrewCon in your first time going yeah. and and being a speaker? Yeah, that's that kind of cool. Impressive. Well, for me, I was always worried about going because I was like, well, I get there and then what do I drink? And then I'm like, oh, well, there's cider and mead. And then I'm like, yeah. but I got into home brewing because. I, I like beer. I, I like beer. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. So, so it was tough. Um, and and already, by the way, cider and meat are always gluten free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless yeah. you're using some sort of some adjunct or yeah, additive yeah. that has it, but that's usually right. never the case. Um, but yeah, so I was like, well, I've been doing this long enough, and you know, I've never heard of anybody doing a seminar on gluten free homebrewing. So yeah. let's put a bid in. And um, it was really interesting because that's how I got connected to Joe, who's in Portland, who started. The Zero Tolerance Gluten-Free Homebrewing Club, just oh. this year. I didn't know there was a club. Right? So, yeah. It's did a, I meet Joe at Homebrew? You probably did, because it was his Endgame IPA that you drank. Oh, that, that was a great IPA. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was so one you of got, my that's how you got involved with them and, and poured at their booth then? He contacted AHA saying, hey, I'm looking to start a club. And Matt, 
uh, who's at Homebrew uh, Con, or no, not Homebrew Con, but he's part of the AHA for that matter. Uh, Matt Balling? Yeah, Matt Balling. Okay. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's the West Coast representative. Yeah, he's Makes the man. things happen for us, yeah. So he goes, well, have you met this guy, Bob? Yeah. And Joe's like, no, what are you talking about? He's like, well, Bob's doing a seminar. It's gluten-free Bob. You have like a new name. Yeah. I'm the, GFB. I'm, I'm the guy. GFB, it's gluten-free Bob. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And so, yeah, he's like, so you should meet this guy then if you're starting a homebrew club because he's going to teach on gluten-free homebrewing at HomebrewCon. And so we got connected and he was like, yeah, join the Facebook group. I'm going to put it together. We're going to have our meeting at uh, Groundbreaker uh, Brewing, which is in Portland, which is uh, really close to where he lives in Beaverton. And so you so, flew up for that, or you, or you went well, to I was just on the Umbercon. I was just on the phone for that one. Oh, I see. But uh, at the same time, there was... Uh, so the, the cool thing about Groundbreaker is they also did a uh, I mean, they do... competition, too. Oh, nice. And so I said, we've done stuff like that. I think we're doing Zoom conference now or okay, something whatever. like that. But that's so, cool that they're including you yeah. and do that. But, but they did a competition and you placed? Yeah, I placed in that. And so then uh, Ghostfish Brewing in Seattle actually picked up that recipe because uh, Groundbreaker owns the first place recipe. So they took mine, which was the second place, which is a uh, a box style lager. Um, and uh, I actually, love a good Bach. Yeah, it's it, hard to find them recently. Well, I like the I like Bachs. I like them too, and it's you're right. They're very My hard Bach, to find. Bach, double Bach. Yeah. So this one is a it's it's it's, it's very traditional Bach, but it also has a lot of characteristics of May Bach. Um, in in the fact See that it's again. a little bit lighter. May my tomato tomato. <laughs> Why does that keep doing that? All right. I'm just gonna keep hitting that weight, All right? Right, and Sister so, um, but yeah, I brewed it with uh, Holotar and Nelson Salvin. Hops. Oh, nice! Those are good hops. So, yeah, you can't go wrong. And yeah. so, yeah, uh, you know, traditional like lager style yeast, and you know, did the traditional stuff. And we uh, brewed it on July 4th, actually, at Ghostfish, and they uh, just submitted it for their pro am wow. submission. That's awesome. So yeah. So in a short period of time, you were making some big waves. Yeah, things went nuts. I I've been on the Four Brewers podcast. I was on Beersmith recently, and then I was just last week on the Basic Brewing podcast with Ed and Joe from the Gluten Free Home Brewing Club. So if I had recorded at home, oh man. Yeah, well, but I, I'm way more rehearsed at this point. <laughs> I'll tell you that. That's good. So you're getting a better no, more relaxed room. sitting on your couch, yeah. sitting in your beer at your home. Yeah, but, it's not so bad. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, well, that's awesome. So I know that I, I encouraged you to open up a brewery. I said you got to do this. Yeah. So now you're thinking about it. So definitely some, seriously some considering the works and stuff. Yeah, I've been trying to put some things down. Um, at least doing the, some of the groundwork, like yeah. uh, you know, filed for the S corp uh, trademark, a lot of that type of stuff. Just trying to put some certain dominoes, and then that's good. You know, if I if I've got the if if the money's right, then I can get the the, the brewing license and liquor license and all that other stuff. Yeah. Uh, if you know, if I find people that are willing to invest in something like this, that just fast tracks it faster. Yeah. So you I should mean, be yeah. ready if you're going to have it happen. Oh yeah, no, I've, we've already got business plan and stuff like that in the works because Dominique, as I've alluded to before, is a professional baker, so she already has a, her brand that's currently in places like Mother's Market, Follow Your really? Heart Market in LA. Yeah. I had no idea. Pies by Dominique. How come I don't get to try anything? Yeah, right. Well, Where's the pie, it's, Dominique? It's, it's in stores right oh, now. Oh yeah. man, you got to go get it. Oh, <laughs> But we could probably you get you a whoop. food. I thought you we, know we got some whoopie pie. We probably get you some cookies too. Okay. So yeah, that's stuff that's ready to go. I think most of the pies she typically batch bakes those. I got you. Because it's more commercial scale now. That's cool. So, so yeah. how long has she been doing those? 
three years. So like three right years. when she got into it, I was like, well, why don't I do this brew thing? You but know? she, but when she started, but she took she off way faster. Business three years. She, yeah, she went business full in like farmers markets, all that sort of stuff. Started getting a lot more traction in the vegan sphere. So we do a lot of vegan events. She's gluten free. Were, were you at the vegan beer fest? Uh, I wasn't at the vegan beer fest. She no. wasn't. So you guys need to do that next year. Yeah. Um, well, anyways. Oh, well, the beer is vegan. That's the good thing because yeah. I don't use any uh, gelatin findings or any sort of yeah. uh, swim bladder. That's you know what I don't like that about those beers. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I've, That's I've never me. I've never been too excited. It never like excites me yeah. when I hear about that. Yeah. Um, well, in gelatin, you know, you're a, you you can't do pork. I don't do pork. That's so. I mean, I've been and I and there's there are beers that are not gluten free that are regular that they'll do uh, yeah the gelatin and and I I'm sure I've had some because I know about it. But if I ever find out about it, I don't drink it. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of Kolsch, they, they brew like that. They yeah. use that the type of methodology. That just so. sucks. I do like <laughs> Kolsch. Anyways, yeah. Um, yeah, you just brought that back to my memory. And, all right, and I had some Kolsch lately, but I was like, how come I don't drink Kolsch? And I, now you just reminded me. <laughs> I don't. My bad. Uh, no, it's actually better to know because then I should push, it helps you to push the industry. I mean, True, never, yeah. you know, a lot of people think, oh, let's put, you know, Let's put pork in, our, in everything. Bacon makes everything better. But why does everybody say that? Because the pork industry put out an ad campaign, and they're paying people, and now you're following them, my friends. Now, I can eat... You know what? Beef bacon is really good, because I can eat beef. I've had turkey bacon, too. And, and turkey bacon's okay. Yeah, it's, it's all right. not as good. Yeah. But beef bacon, lamb bacon Ooh. are amazing, and beef bacon was actually the staple in the U.S. until the Great Depression. Wow. And then the... Pork cancel is taken over, so they brainwashed you guys. But my point is, I, this whole thing where bacon makes everything taste better—I don't agree with that. I can't say bacon. Well, yeah, I can't say gluten good, takes, taste makes things taste better. Yeah, either, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah. but I'm just saying, uh, I just hate when people go, "Oh, I'm, and like," and it's just they jump on the bandwagon. But that's my own little personal thing. It's like, come on, people. Let's think about it. Well, it's true. I mean, I think I appreciate you coming by because I think there's a lot of misconceptions about anything that has the word gluten in it, right? Yeah. People assume gluten-free means taste-free, but, well, there's still sugar. I'm still using malt. I'm still yeah. using hops, yeah. water, and yeast. So, and I'll be honest, I, I hate some people want gluten-free because they're just on a, they're, it's just a fad for them. They're like, oh, I want gluten-free. And, and I have a couple friends who are true celiacs Yeah. where, you know, I've seen people like they want the gluten free, but then they'll eat something that has gluten, and I'm like, "Well, I thought you were gluten free, so you're not a celiac." Well, you know, hey, but, if they like the taste, they like the taste. But, oh, That's good. Yeah, but it, but it, it becomes like a fad, and then True. that fad will kind it of fades end away or something. But there are people who are celiacs, yeah. And so I have a really close friend that I'm, well, I'm not as close friend now, but he's still a close friend. I could call up any day. Mm -hmm. I've seen him in a while. Yeah. But he always wanted to try my beer, but, but, but he always asked me, can you make one? I'm like, I don't know how to make it. Right. right I never right. knew how to make him a beer, but now I'm friends with you. I can get him a beer or two and he yeah. can drink with me and, and that would be pretty awesome. Absolutely. Um, yeah, for but sure. What I'm saying is that, you know, there's a difference between the fad of whoever really wants to jump on that bandwagon and the people who really can't deal with it. That's true. And, and yeah. for someone like me, gluten's actually good for my system, right? But that's, well, a, different, that's, that's a different story I'm, yeah but, not for everybody but but i but i can sit here and enjoy this gluten-free beer because i like beer and go wow i literally if you hadn't told me it was gluten-free i wouldn't know right yeah and that's the thing that's interesting is is like i've heard a lot of different gluten-free breweries actually talking about this is they have people that are like oh i've been coming here for like 
a year. I heard you guys have gluten-free beer. Which ones are the gluten-free ones? Yeah. And they're like... Omission's like, every one of them. Or, yeah, <laughs> Ghost Fish, Evasion, all these brewers are like, well, every one of them is gluten-free. They're like, really? Oh. And it's funny because the Holla Daily uh, in Colorado, they, they put a really good... Um, they, they, they have the best way of putting it, I guess, is how I mean to say, is that um, at the brewery, like when people come into the tap house, all that people care about is good beer. As long yeah. as the beer is good and it's clean, nobody has any problems. Yeah. At the store, right, when people are shopping for it and they're, they need gluten-free, they need it to say gluten-free, that's where it really sells. Yeah. But they don't even have to advertise that it's gluten-free at most of the breweries, the breweries. and most of the tap houses because people are just people naturally going around, oh, I've never been to this brewery before, let me go check it out. Yeah. And if they're none the wiser and it's good beer, then it's still good beer. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's really the one thing that basically everybody in this community has really started pushing is that, you know, this is good beer. Yeah. This is beer. Very, very good beer. And I know that when we were at HomebrewCon, too, that you basically had a, you guys, your booth was, there was long lines. There was lots of people. Yeah, we were. And they're all beer drinkers and they're sitting there waiting to get your, your beer. Club night was like four hours. I think we had a line for like Three hours and fifty nine minutes. Yeah, pretty much yeah, was, the whole time. Like I, I it was he, a good thing I knew someone. Yeah, he came around to the side. I saw this guy. <laughs> okay, yeah, I saw this guy cutting. But you also, <laughs> but you also like, hey, so I was like, hey, yeah. <laughs> all right, yeah, let me try that beer. <laughs> hey, you, you got, know, he got lucky. <laughs> you know, if you can use it, you use it. That's all. True. Yeah, that's he had his press badge in full effect. I'm, I'm literally, you. I'm trying to get to taste as many beers as I can. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll probably so, have to crack a couple bottles, or maybe I'll give you a couple bottles so you can take to uh, one of your friends or so. Yeah, something like that. Cool. It sounds great. Yeah, man. Well, man, I want to say thanks for being on the show, and um, I'm excited about what you're doing in the industry, pushing the industry. Yeah. Oh, you know, hopefully, uh, your your uh, pro am beer. What, what's it called? It's called Geisterfish. Geisterfish. Which is uh, how you say ghost fish in ghost German. Fish. Okay. Because it's from the ghost fish, uh, ghost, uh, ghost fish Brewing. Yep, in Seattle. Ghost in Seattle. Fish Brewing. If you haven't been there before, definitely check yeah. them out. They've got some incredible flavors. And then for a limited time right now, they have Geisterfish on tap. So it's definitely yeah. the right time to go there. Mm. So if you're listening to this and you're in Seattle, yeah. or you know someone in Seattle, or you're going to Seattle, you should go try it. But They're right or, in Soto, or, right down the, uh, the street from Starbucks. Yeah, or if you go to GABF. Yeah. Uh, this year here in 2018, then, then you know, you will try some geister fish. You'll be able to have some geister fish. Well, I like that you guys were playing with the name and that kind of stuff, 